and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my pleasure to be back with you for another episode. So today we are continuing in our study of the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke in the New Testament. So Luke was one of Jesus's um, core disciples. He was a family doctor, a family physician in um, Israel, and he followed Jesus and is very chronological in the telling of Jesus's life and ministry. And he goes into significant detail, laying the groundwork for Jesus's um, conception, his birth, his early life, as much as we can find. And, and ultimately so much of, of his three years of significant ministry. So he is a fascinating storyteller in terms of giving you so much of that filler information that you might not always find in some of the other Gospels because they're all chronicling Jesus's life from different perspectives and in different order and in different time periods. And so, yeah, he's a a really interesting one. And so where we left off yesterday, we did Luke chapter 1, which is really setting the groundwork on the birth of John the Baptist, who would play such a huge role in setting the stage for Jesus to come on the scene. He was Jesus's cousin. He was a few year, few months older than Jesus, and he had a very wild and divine destiny that he lived out to the bitter end. And now we're going to start into Luke chapter 2, which is the birth of Christ. This is where we get the famous Christmas story, the understanding of his birth. Um that we get to, we don't get that only from the book of Luke, but we do see that in this coming um, passage, and it chronicles his life right up until he is basically an adolescent. So let's go ahead and dive into Luke chapter two. We're still setting the stage. We're not getting into the the meat yet of Jesus's life, but these two, these two three chapters are really sort of setting the stage for the life that he will live. And I think it's really, really important information to understand the man of God on a deeper level. So let's go. Alrighty, so I am reading Luke chapter 2, verse 1, reading out of the Amplified Bible version. I love the way that it tells the story. I think it's really clear and helpful, adds a little bit of extra detail to some of the sentences that we wouldn't get from other translations. So I'm enjoying reading it from this translation. So let's go ahead and dive in. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from the emperor Caesar Augustus that all the inhabited world, meaning the Roman Empire, should be registered in a census. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to register for the census, each to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. 
While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her son, her firstborn, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no private room for them at the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you by which you will recognize him. You will find him, a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying one to another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. At the end of eight days, when he was to be circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel Gabriel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time for their purification came, that is, the mother's purification and the baby's dedication, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, set apart as the firstborn. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy, set apart and dedicated to the Lord. And they came also to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, to be appropriate for a family of modest means, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, carefully observing the divine law, and looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Prompted by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him the custom required by the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed and praised and thanked God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to leave this world in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and to bring the praise and honor and glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother were amazed at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Listen carefully. This child is appointed and destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that is to be opposed, and a sword of deep sorrow will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was very old and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow for, to the age of 84. She did not leave the area of the temple, but was serving and worshipping night and day with fastings and prayers. She too came up at that very moment and began praising and giving thanks to God, and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption and deliverance of Jesus. Excuse me, of Jerusalem. And when they had done everything in connection with Jesus' birth, according to the law of the Lord, they went back to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child continued to grow and become strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and grace, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Passover feast, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast, as they were returning to Nazareth. After spending the required number of days at the feast, the boy, Jesus, remained behind in Jerusalem. Now his parents did not know this, but supposed him to be in the caravan and traveled a day's journey. Then they began searching anxiously for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him everywhere. Three days later, they found him in the court of the temple, sitting among the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed by his intelligence and his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were overwhelmed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been greatly distressed and anxiously looking for you. And he answered, Why did you have to look for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he had said to them. He went down to Nazareth with them, and was continually submissive and obedient to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So here we are setting the scene for Jesus' early life. A few things really struck out at me again, which we saw already in Luke chapter 1, which was these prophecies that are coming out of the mouths of these different people. First, we had the prophecy by Elizabeth, we had the prophecy by Mary, we had the prophecy by Zacharias, these people who were integral in the early days of Jesus's conception and, and, and birth, these people who were prophesying this, this, this changing of the world that at that time I can only imagine was incomprehensible. It, they couldn't have understood really and truly what the magnitude of both John the Baptist being born, but certainly Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the prophesied and foretold Messiah, of which all the ancient texts they studied had had talked about, right? It was common knowledge in Jewish tradition to know that there was a Messiah coming. And so they could not even believe or begin to imagine that they were living in the times and they were going to be the relatives the earthly relatives of this Messiah. What a grand, unspeakable burden and honor at the same time that they were uh, prophesying into. But then you see again here in Luke chapter 2, you see these other key people prophesying into uh, Jesus's life at a very early age. You notice first that 
um, when Jesus is brought to the temple to do the very same things that they had to do with John the Baptist when he was born, the process of circumcision and naming, uh, giving a sacrifice, doing a purification process, uh, blessing the firstborn son, all these sort of things that were written into the law from the ancient days, they were coming through to do all of this at the temple. And in that time, the man Simeon, um, who had been told by God through the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death until he had seen the Messiah, that he was going to see the Messiah. And here he was so late in years, and he's getting to see the little baby Messiah, Jesus, before his death. And I think that that's so interesting. It specifically says he was righteous and devout. These are very similar terms to what the Bible used to describe Zacharias and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Each of these people that was either given the opportunity to be a a parent or a relative to these important people and or the people who were even getting to see and sort of announce and affirm who Jesus was going to be. They have these trademarks of being seen by God, specifically seen by God as righteous and devout. They were devout in the Lord. And Simeon even had the Holy Spirit, which is powerful because that the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on all flesh, right? That would come after Jesus's death and resurrection, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, that everyone has the opportunity to encounter Holy Spirit and be led by Holy Spirit. But before that happened in human history, you only see certain individuals having... Um, relationship with the Holy Spirit and being led by revelation of the Holy Spirit. So it's very interesting that all these key people who are being led by Holy Spirit are coming into the pathway of Jesus, even in his early days. And so it says, Simeon, who was righteous and devout and was looking for the consolation of Israel, the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Prompted by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to him for the custom required by the law, Simeon took him into his arms, blessed and praised and thanked God, and he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to leave this world in peace. <laughs> so that's him saying, I can die now <laughs> because you have shown me the Messiah just as you said you would. For my eyes have seen your salvation, he says, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Hang on a second here. This is how you know this was prophetic revelation. This man is saying that he will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Jesus was a Jew, right? This man is prophesying as a Jewish holy man in a Jewish community, in a Jewish city, in a Jewish nation. The Gentiles is basically anyone who isn't Jewish. And he's saying this Messiah that the Jews thought was going to be exclusively their own for them, right? He says he will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles mm. and to bring the praise and honor and glory of your people Israel. That is prophecy, okay? Wow, 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 wow. So then he blessed um, he blessed the parents, and he tells his mother, 
Listen carefully. This child is appointed and destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. And a sword of deep sorrow will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Man, that's a that's a hard word. That's both telling her this infinitely massive destiny that this young baby has. And he says, and it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. She couldn't have known that he was going to die. <laughs> you know, an extremely brutal and horrific death that had to happen on behalf of all mankind. But he's saying to her in advance, hey, a sword is going to pierce your own soul. So that, right? So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So that all of this prophecy that was long foretold across the Old Testament of the Bible and the Torah of the ancient Jews, all those prophecies may be foretold, that were foretold, will be fulfilled. Mm. What a heavy, heavy thing to be, to be told by this holy man. Then it says there was a prophetess. Again, another rare character you don't hear too much about, of a, a, a powerful female prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She did not leave the temple, but was serving and worshiping night and day with fastings and prayers. That is a devout woman, eh? That's a devout woman. I can't even imagine <laughs> spending... Um, that many years in a temple, praying and worshiping, but holy smokes, that's a devout woman, night and day fasting and praying. She too came up at the same moment that Simeon is delivering to Mary this deeply hard to, uh, to accept prophetic word about her son. And she came up at that very moment and she began praising and giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him, capital H, of him to all who were looking for the redemption and deliverance of Jesus. So she's coming across and she's validating this ancient prophet of old is validating what this holy man Simeon is saying over him. Hmm. Then it says the child continued to grow and become strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God. Filled with wisdom. Such a young age, filled with wisdom. And then we have the Passover feast that Jesus went up to and decided to give his family quite a scare because he was already at such a young age, just diving deep into the truth of his identity. He stayed back in the temple he was listening, he was asking questions, he was contributing at such a young age. And it says all who heard him were amazed by his intelligence, his understanding, and his answers. And his mother, who was deeply panicked, <laughs> looking for him. Such a human thing, right? It's just so regular and I love it. I love it that they're just people. And when she said, why have you treated us like this? Why have you stayed back and stayed in this temple and put us through this deep anxiety? <laughs> and he says, why did you have to look for me? Woo! Why did you have to look for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Mm. Other translations say, 
um, don't you know I'm about my father's business or something like that. Like, why did you have to look for me? He's saying, like, wouldn't you know where I would be? Haven't you listened to the prophecies over my life? Don't you know who I am, lady? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like it it uh, borders on sarcasm, and yet I'm sure there was no uh, intention of that at all. I think it was very matter-of-fact for him. Wouldn't you know where I would be? <laughs> Why did you look all over for me for three days? Why didn't you just come to the temple? Is, would the past not have foretold the future in, in essence of where you might find me? But it says, but they did not understand what he had said to them. Makes me wonder if despite all the prophecies being said over their son, if they still saw him as their son. Like just hook, line, and sinker. At the end of the day, yes, there's these great things spoken over you, but I can't even begin to really comprehend what that is. And you are first and foremost my boy. And I didn't know where you were. And that's it. And you're saying to me, why didn't you know where I was? Like, wouldn't I be in the temple, mom? And he's saying... And they're saying, we don't understand. <laughs> We're still, it's not, it's not quite ticking over for us yet. But then it, it adds to the story that, don't worry, he went down to Nazareth with them. He did leave the temple and he was continually submissive and continually obedient to them. He was a good boy. He was a good son. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I love also how much it references Mary's treasuring up of these in, of these moments these little kind of points where they where she sees hmm something going on here you know and it, it says she ponders them in her heart that's actually where i got um the name for my blog the pondering woman it used to be called the millennial christian woman but i thought that might be a bit too narrow <laughs> no pun intended but um so i went to the pondering woman because I love that about Mary. She was a ponderer. She she stored up things in her heart and she just molded them over in her head. She didn't render any judgments. She didn't, you know, talk out of both sides of her mouth or she just pondered and sort of sat and watched and sat and watched and lived through things and treasured experiences up as she continued to watch her son. Because what a supernatural experience to be both a mother who very much has this affection for this human being named Jesus who is your son he's a person he's a boy he's a ruddy boy but at the same time he's he's the son of god like it's it's got to be such a bizarre psychological experience as much as it is holy and it's probably got to be an adventure but really like all she could do was treasure things up and just kind of watch and just see what unfolds you know that's all we she could really do she couldn't engineer the situation it was just like hey this is what god said i'm gonna watch and see i'm gonna see how this goes and then it says in the final verse and jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with god and men he kept increasing increasing Ooh, it's building up the anticipation, right? So excited to get into uh, the subsequent verses. Uh, the next chapter is going to talk about a little bit more about John the Baptist. And then it's going to get into a pretty lengthy genealogy of Jesus, how he comes from the line of David. And I don't know, honestly, if I'm going to read that because it's just a very long so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, all the way to Adam. <laughs> so it's a long list of names. We might skip that. We might read the first half of Luke 3 and then just go ahead and get into Luke 4. But 
yeah, I hope this is exciting to just read through um, a detailed overview of Jesus's early life as we anticipate um, him coming into his full adulthood and beginning to reveal himself for who he is to more than just a few key people along the way. So yeah, lock in, get excited, uh, and we'll continue on this journey um, through the book of Luke together. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. It is my pleasure, of course, to always be with you, and I will be back tomorrow for another episode. So stay tuned and check in with me then. Thanks and bye-bye.